Cole is, uh, he was in a swimming accident. He dove into a river and that's how he was paralyzed. And he actually met his girlfriend because she was a therapist at the same place where he was getting therapy. But that was the first time she ever got to see him walk, which is why she kept commenting on how tall he was. They have a, I discovered they have a whole YouTube channel where they post videos about what it's like to be a couple um, who are differently abled. But the reason why I wanted us to see these videos today, you'll see some relation here in a minute with our scripture study, but I also just wanted us to think about the modern day miracles that we see in our world today. Because those few minutes of people walking, that's what we get to see, this victory, but we know that they took months and years of work with different people and doctors and therapists and their knowledge and skill of all these experts in their lives. But I do believe it's God doing that, right? He's doing the healing. He is doing, giving the skills and the knowledge to the experts. And so I want us to consider the modern day miracles in our lives. And today, we're gonna look at a miracle from the book of Acts. We've been studying how the church began. That's our series right now. We're looking behind the scenes to look at the details of, of why we're here today, how we gather in this form every week. It started in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, we're going to be on page 772 if you have a Bible from the pew, Acts chapter 3 if you want to look on your devices. And this happened after we read about the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We get to the book of Acts. Jesus died. He rose again. And then he spent a little time with his followers, but he went back to heaven. And he left the job of starting the church to humans, very flawed human beings. And he gave them this charge. He said, go, tell others about me, about God's grace. That is entrusted to you. So I want us to look at chapter 3 today because first we've discovered that they've gotten this charge. Second, we've seen that they began meeting together. They began following God's spirit because when Jesus left, he didn't leave them alone. He sent his spirit to be among them. And so they gathered together. They would eat bread together. They would pray. They would worship and they would learn more about this God that they were trying to serve. And so in chapter 3, we see for the very first time, Jesus' followers, they are out there ministering on their own. Because when Jesus was on earth, he gave them the power to minister in his name. And while he was still there among them, he said, go out and minister. I will give you the power to heal people and to do work in my name. But it was kind of like an apprenticeship where you try out your skills but you've got a mentor right here with you, right? They're going to let you know how you're doing. But this time, this miracle is important because Jesus was gone. He was not physically present with them. And I wonder how that felt for his followers to be doing it on their own. But we said they had his spirit with them. So they, God was still doing the work, but it feels a little different when you, when you can't see him, right? We have that here with us today. So let's dig in in verses 1 through 5. We're going to read about Peter and John, who were two of Jesus' disciples. 
One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now all these people were passing by in a very busy area, but Peter and John paid attention. I want us to think and visualize this man for a moment. He could not walk. It said lame from birth, I believe. And so his friends probably had to help him get to where he wanted to go and to place him in a certain spot. And we here who live in Cincinnati, we've seen people seeking money, haven't we? Some stand with signs and some sit right on the ground. That's the perspective of this man. He was low. He looked up at everyone passing him by. Think about when you leave a Reds game or a Bengals game or a concert, and you've seen people, haven't you? Sometimes they look up at you. Sometimes they don't make eye contact at all. This man was here on the ground. Did he reach out his hand? Did he have a little, little jar beside him? Did he call out, can you give something? Do you have anything? Or did some days he just hung his head, feeling shame? Brian Stevenson is a man who is a lawyer. He represents the poor. He represents those unjustly incarcerated. And he came to Cincinnati this week. And he spoke, and while he's doing these big things across the country, he works one-on-one -on -one with people. And he said, in order for us to bring mercy to the world, we have to start with the small things. And the very first thing he said was, we need to get up close to those who are excluded. Here's his quote that he said this week. You can't make a difference until you are in proximity, close enough to affirm others' humanity and dignity. Think about what Peter and John did. They looked at the man, and they said, look at us. They did not just want the man's full attention. Maybe they wanted him to receive full attention. I don't have any hard and fast rules when I walk down the street, but I know when someone asks me for money, I flounder. I feel awkward. And if someone is simply sitting there, it's easier. It's easier on me. I can keep walking. I don't have to make eye contact. But when I walk by, then I wonder, did I just treat that person as a person? Peter and John gave this man dignity, and they treated him as a man made in God's own image. Others passed by, but they paid attention. Let's look at verses 6 through 10. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, 
but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. This is the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. This man was asking every day for something good. I can't imagine the job opportunities that would have been availed to him. And I'm sure each day he sought his daily bread. Yet God gave him something great. There are a number of perspectives that we consider in our world today. Sometimes we have to think, does giving in this moment do long-term harm or good? How do we connect people with long-lasting resources? Even here at church, we have to have guidelines of sorts when people come and ask because we want to help in the short term, but we care about the whole person. How are we developing a long-term relationship with people in our community, those in need? And so, obviously, God cares about the whole person. That's where we get it. But this man asked for money, and God said, I'm going to give you something greater. So he inspired Peter and John to bring healing through his power. Imagine the difference sitting and seeking money for one day's meal. And instead, his entire life changed in that moment. He wanted the good, and God gave the great. Let's finish the story, 11 through 16. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one. You asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. Notice where the man was sitting every day. He was outside the temple. And who goes to the temple? People worshiping God. So these were faithful believers. And that would be a great place to receive care, right? Perhaps he sat there because he knows these were the people in his community who would care the most, who would offer help. And yet I wonder, just like can happen in our own hearts, was anyone skeptical when they walked by? Did they think, hmm, maybe he's just taking advantage of our goodwill? 
They saw the external. Have you ever questioned someone's sincerity? I'll have to admit, there have been people, and I can picture the person right now, someone who walked through these doors, who sat in these pews, who I had a chance to get to know a little. And I cared and I gave, <laughs> and not an hour after church, I saw that the story he told me was a lie. It was a lie. And I got frustrated and I got disappointed. And it took me a while to think. I saw the external and I heard the external, but there was still an underlying need internally I couldn't see. So as much as I was disappointed that the story wasn't real, the need was still great. This man had a need bigger than the physical. And Peter and John said, it's not about who he was. It's about who he trusted. That is why he was healed. It's because he has a heart and a faith for Jesus. Because God looks at the internal. But I love this. Like Peter didn't use the moment. He didn't let it go to waste. Everybody was focused on them. And what did he do? He called people out. He said challenging words. He said he has faith in Jesus. That's why he's healed. Who are you trusting in? That person that you sent to the cross? That was the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. Those are some challenging words. But you know what? The reason why Peter said these words, the reason why God inspired him to do that is because God did not care just about the internal faith of one man. He did very much. But he cared about the internal of every person that was walking into the temple that day. He wanted everyone to have faith in Jesus, just as he still does. Because God cares about the internal, not the external. Okay, so this is an amazing miracle. What, what do we get from it? There's a number of things we can think about. As I said, it can be easy to be cynical in our world today, whether we're talking about strangers, we don't know their motivations, or even people we know well and we truly know their motivations. But it's easier to just get our to-dos done, and not slow down? Do we let God inconvenience us? Do we let him interrupt our schedule to see the humanity around us? Do we give people dignity, whether we step over them on the street or we work side by side with them every day? Are we giving people dignity? Are we seeing them made in God's image? Because it doesn't take a lot to show we care. It's little ways that we can begin to notice people. Even if it feels uncomfortable, you're not like an eye contact, smile, hello kind of person. Maybe that's just what it takes to help someone else have a better day. But man, I read about Peter's words, and I am cut. <laughs> I can stand up here and talk to you about Jesus, 
But let me tell you, when I'm out there and I'm in situations and I'm talking to my friends who I know are far from God, and the moment comes up and I just freeze. I know there's got to be a way to bring Jesus in this situation, but guys, I don't always do it. I don't. It's so uncomfortable. I rarely do it. I just pray that somehow God is seen through my actions and not my words, but, but I got to stop making excuses. God needs my words and my actions. Think about this excuse. I don't know enough. You know, I've discovered that it doesn't matter my knowledge when I see someone, even in the checkout line, and ask, are you okay? Is your day going okay? If you're sincere, you'll be surprised at the honest response you can get. And if you go someplace to like a coffee shop often and start to get to know the same person over and over, you can begin to ask some deeper questions. And maybe, maybe you've got a friend who's got some heavy questions and you're like, I really don't know what to tell them. I really don't know that I know enough. You can be honest and say that. You can say, listen, I, I don't have all the answers but let's figure it out together because it's worth the time to journey into the truth because you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to start the conversation. You might be the connecting point. Or if you need some help, call Seth and say, hey, can you meet me for coffee with this friend so we can talk together? Or invite them here to church and just know that you're not alone. You're just the person who can take that first step. Here's another excuse. Uh, I'm not wired that way. People are intimidating. It's hard to talk to people. Well, like I said, I feel that way at times too, but we're not off the hook because of our communication style. Maybe it's hard for you to talk to strangers, but if there's plenty of people in our lives who still need to be reached, maybe it's an estranged family member Maybe it's that coworker, but God can use you in however he made you. If you're not a person that talks all the time, you can text and check in with people. There are different ways that we communicate God's love, but however he made you, capitalize on that and challenge yourself to be uncomfortable every once in a while. Final excuse. I'm the one that needs to be reached right now. I'm struggling. I can't reach out to other people. This is hard. I'm not downplaying anyone's struggle because we all go through dark times and we probably all have some level of struggle every day. But I think there's a way we can reach out, give, and receive simultaneously. I was talking to a minister a couple weeks ago. He's a retired minister in his 70s, and his wife has Alzheimer's. And she just got to the point where he realized he can't be her caregiver anymore. And he said, it broke me. He said, I haven't been that low in years. And he said, for like a week straight, all I could do was just focus on this burden, this heart-wrenching change in our relationship and he goes I just kept begging God see our situation help us and he said I just didn't have a lot of hope 
but his kids pointed out that he spent his whole life caring for other people, praying for other people at the same time he had his own needs. And he said he forgot to do that. He started focusing so inward and it didn't help, it hurt him. And so he continued to pray for his wife and his situation, but he said, now I remember to think about all these other people who are also hurting and struggling. He said, when I pray for both of us together, that gives me strength. It gives me life again. It connects me with God and to his community. So yes, we want people to reach out to us. But if you want that, then you are the very best person to reach out to somebody else because you know how it feels. And if we're all here together as this family of God and we're reaching out to each other, then look, we're going to be the beneficiary. If I'm reaching out to you and you're reaching out to me, we're going to help each other. We have to work together. That's why God put us together. So I want us to think back to those modern day miracles we watched a few minutes ago. And I liked that last video to see how many people were coming around, that one guy, to be able to walk. And I thought, what does that feel like to help someone? And it just so happens we have a physical therapist among us, Susan, and she has worked with people who have had such injuries. She's gotten to see people walk again. And I just asked, what's this like? She said her job gives her joy because mostly it's about people getting better. And, and each day she can see them do a little bit more and she can do a little bit less. But she said the trick is they have to be reminded because it, just, it feels difficult all the time to keep working. And she reminds them of how far they've come. And she said, yes, God is there. And yes, it's miraculous. She said, but sometimes a miracle doesn't feel like a miracle. A miracle feels like hard work. And you know, when you face obstacles in your life, it's hard work, isn't it? But it's also hard work to stand by someone's side and to walk with them. Because every person in that video who walked had family and friends cheering them on. That's what gave them strength. That's what gave them motivation. It's hard to do on your own, isn't it? But when someone believes in you, that makes all the difference. So what we need to do today is to be committed to being the ones to make a difference. We need to do the hard work by someone's side. And you know what? Just like God used Peter and John, who were human, flawed humans, but they got to do a miracle, God can still do miracles through flawed humans today. And it may not feel miraculous at the time, but do you know that there's someone in your life who is on the brink of something, of pain, of anxiety, of a bad decision? There's people that you pass by who are disregarded, who are disenfranchised. There's people ready to make a breakthrough that you know. And you know what they need? They need you. They need you to be there, to tell them they can do it. They need you to bring up Jesus into their lives. 
because that's what we're called to do. And at times it doesn't feel like much, but God is the one in there making it miraculous. Because when you can transform a day or transform someone's decision or transform their lives by being present, that's miraculous. But it doesn't happen unless we do something. Unless we're uncomfortable, unless we're inconvenienced, unless we do the hard work. But God will do a miracle. Let's pray. God, we confess to you that there are many times we walk by, we just don't pay attention. When we're in a moment and we could say a word and we're scared, God, we're scared. We're scared of ending a relationship or not knowing how the other person will react. But you're worth speaking up for. We know that. Give us courage to say words we need to say. God, we believe that you still work in our world today, and yet we wait for it to happen. But you want to use us. We get to be used by you as a part of this amazing transformation you want to do in someone's life. We tell you today, we believe that. And we want to be part of that. Thank you, Lord, for calling us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.